that's the one we're going live on. We're broadcasting. We'll call it that. It's going to be public. We're going live. 20 second delay. Now it's going live. You're live. Hey, okay. That wasn't as painful as it could have been. Excuse this little additional intro, but I didn't do the best job throwing at uh, the beginning of this app. This is a live one I recorded with uh, Kevin Freer from Block 3, and uh, we had a ton of fun, talked a lot about beer, a little bit about music and some other stuff, and I just wanted to kind of welcome you in. Sorry for the late uh, release date. It's been a heck of a crazy week, and I'm used to just getting this all done on a Monday night, but it didn't happen that way this time. Anyway, thanks for uh, tuning in. Enjoy the app, and I'll be back in your feed more likely around Tuesday next week. Talk at you then. Welcome to the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, your host, Chris Schreier. This is weird looking at my phone this way. My Instagram machine never looks like this. This is totally new. So if you're watching live right now, you will notice I am joined by none other than the man of the evening, Mr. Kevin Freer of Block 3 Brewing and a lot of other stuff uh, in the past. And we're going to get there. We're going to get there. But you know how this goes. Well, first of all, hey, Kevin, how you doing? I'm well, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks. Good evening. Glad glad we made it. Look at this. It's only 9:03. It's almost as if uh, it's almost as if I've done this before. I haven't. Technology, man. When I did this with uh with Dan earlier, my rugby buddy, and previous to that with George. George, I didn't even do anything on Instagram and with Dan, I just pointed my phone at the screen and let it pick up the ambient sound from the speakers. It was not high tech. That was not high tech, but, uh, but here we are, here we are. Okay. Yeah. You can promote my podcast anytime you want because <laughs> holy moly, this is the most concurrent people I've ever had on Instagram. And I was telling you, I said, oh yeah, we got to do the Instagram to entertain the four or five people who tune in normally. We're at 13. Okay. Nice. So what are you drinking right now, Kevin? Why don't you tell us and I'm going to get out my beer. Will you tell us what you're, uh, what you're getting into? I am about to crack one of our Hellas, um, it's one of those beers that we just kind of have around all the time. Light, easy drinking lager. There you go. I'm not opening it, though. But uh, that's, yeah, that's kind of my go-to if I'm just, like, having a beer. I don't want to think about it. Man, just, it's rock solid. You know, yeah. Just nice, easy drinking beer, right? It's, uh, what's going on with the malts in that? There's something, there's something a little bit crackery more than I'm used to in a Hellas. There's a little more character, a little bit. Uh, it's not just straight two-row, is it? Uh, no, it's, um, it's um, Pilsner malt, proximity Pilsner malt. And then uh, we use a little bit of carafoam and then a tiny bit of acid malt. Uh, just that's uh, our water in KW is very, very hard and very alkaline. So you got to acidify everything. Right. That's fair. Sorry, yeah. I just burped too. I don't know if you were burping or coughing, but <laughs> I was burping. we did it in sync apparently. Nice. Well, I myself, now, for those of you who didn't know, I didn't promote it because I ordered late, and uh, Kevin snuck my order under the gun, I think. Uh, but Block 3 did do a Toronto run this past weekend, which I always love. This is my, like, I love the whole beer delivery thing out of COVID. I know it's awful that we had to result, or re resort to this, uh, but the knock-on effect for the consumer has been like, unbridled access to beer that literally just shows up at your door, which is just perfect. Uh, so I grabbed um, a bunch of stuff. Uh, but for me tonight, I'm going to have this. I've had it already. Um, I think I might have even had it at the brewery, possibly at some point. But uh, this is the uh, what's the exact name here? Vienna Lager, the village lager. I love 
a Vienna lager. Um, so much so, when I used to make saisons, I would always use Vienna at least, and often a bit of Munich as well. But I had, I called it the four to three ratio. And so I would do about 15% of the malt bill would be Vienna and Munich, and that 15% would be split four parts Vienna to three parts Munich. I found that was just about right in my books. Um, but I love a straight Vienna lager. Now this, is it all Vienna? There's probably, it's probably partially Vienna, right? You didn't go whole hog on this, did you? No, yeah, you're, um, you're pretty spot on there, man. It's like, it's half Pilsner and then um, a split between mostly Vienna and then a bit of Munich. And then we do actually add a little bit of crystal just to adjust the, the color. Yep. Yeah, man, nailed it. Well, I didn't I didn't necessarily know that that was what was happening here, but there is, you know, Vienna and Munich, they're similar, but there's if you know what you're looking for, you can tell when it's Vienna. And I like Vienna a lot. Never been to Vienna. Yeah, I think that beer just fills out like, um, you know, some some people want like something maltier or a little more amber. Um, it just kind of fills out a portion of the portfolio. And honestly, I should drink it more than I do. Um I kind of pass over that a lot of times for the Hellas, but it, it's a really nice beer. Um, I think it's really nicely balanced. It's super clean. I just, uh, yeah, for some reason, I, I always pass over that for the Hellas, but it's it's one I should actually revisit more it often. It is nearly brilliantly clear. Like, it is, per, like, no trouble reading through it. It is, it, I bet if it weren't Vienna, it would be, like, sparklingly clear. It's, it's this is not your hazy boys, guys. And, and I like it. <laughs> mm. Yeah, there's something I've never been able to get quite the right wording for what it is that I love about, uh, especially Vienna, but you get it off of Munich, too. The only descriptors I come up with, I think what I'm getting is it's more like it's triggering memories or something. I don't know. Um, but there's a musty isn't quite the right word, but something almost like old tent canvas quality to Munich that just I don't know what it is. It's just I, I like it a lot. Um, and I can't I've never been able to put my finger. on. I mean, you get the obvious. There's like carameliness, bit of maybe pumpernickel bread qualities to it. That stuff's all, you know, that's that's you could read that on the internet but there's a characteristic that i get off of vienna especially that yeah yeah tent canvas which i know does not sound attractive but for some reason it's really it works uh, i like it yeah it's it's easy to overdo munich i think a lot of people especially when you first start out homebrewing you're like oh i want to add in this um like malty bready kind of like crust of bread quality to my beers and then you throw in a bunch of Munich, and then it goes o a little bit over the top. Um, yeah. yeah. Munich can get out of control real quick. I, I remember I was judging a homebrew thing one time, and somebody had made, I, I think it was a Dunkel, and it was 100% Munich. And it was... <laughs> it was something. It was something. It... Uh, uh, it did not get rated well. Let's just go with that. It did not mark well. <laughs> there was uh, the advice was um, might want to temper that with a little bit of two row, <laughs> and by a little bit like sixty percent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I remember having uh, 
having a conversation with another brewer and they were like, oh man, there's this, this malt called uh, Red X and uh, apparently you're, you can use it up to 100% of your malt bill. And I was like, just don't. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah, you could. You know <laughs> what else you could do? <laughs> you know, one time I was homebrewing and uh, this is a, I'm trying to think of how to build out the backstory. Without getting into too many details, I had a generous brewer friend, have still, good friend, and uh, when I was heavy into homebrewing, he would often say to me, just tell me what you need, swing by, I'll throw it to you. It, and I'm not going to point fingers, I'll tell you that this was a brewery who my homebrewing predilection would represent like the loss in cleaning out the auger in the mill kind of levels of, of production. And so I would just go by evening, kind of after the packaging line had shut down and got to a point where I could just kind of go in and help myself, <laughs> which was nice. Uh, except that I knew that often uh, the grain bag would be open, but they were really good at more or less keeping what, what it said on the grain bag was what was in the grain bag. And I can't even remember. I think we were trying to brew like just a pale ale. It was just some kind of pale ale, I think. And uh, it was like, uh, I don't know, it was it was a, a, a 40, uh, a 40 gallon, 40. Yeah, yeah. Batch. It was like a double batch. And I got I needed I can't remember how much 20 kilos or something, maybe 18 kilos of, of two row. And so there was a grain bag and threw it on the scale and it was almost perfect. And I'm like, that's fantastic. No problem. Uh, and so I took it and then, you know, the next day I, uh, I was brewing and so we, we mashed it in and everything was great. Numbers were all on. Everything was fine. Didn't quite smell the way I expected it to. And that really should have been my, uh, I should have, I should have some, should have sussed what was going on there, but I didn't. And so we left it and, uh, went inside, had a beer, we're hanging out, whatever, hour goes by, go out, and I open up the mash tun, and it looked like bread dough. And what it was, was what was actually in that bag was acidulated malt. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and it turns out you cannot make an entire beer out of acidulated malt. It does not work. It turns into dough. Uh, and literally... When I turned out the mash tun, you know the old cranberry sauce out of the can? Like, that's, it literally came out in a cylinder, uh, a mash tun sized cylinder, and then slowly kind of just <laughs> out onto the driveway. And then it took like 20 minutes to rinse it down the driveway because it was just, it was like gelatin. It was so weird and sick. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so yeah, this is what I'm having. I'm having the uh, Village Lager. This is the Vienna Lager. This is available year-round, is it? Yeah, yeah. For the most part, we try to keep it on year-round, yeah. Like I said, it just fills out a part of our um, kind of our tap list, and yeah, it's nice, nice, easy-drinking beer. It's a good food beer. I was about to get to that. I was going to say, I can, I can go to town with what we would eat with that. Um, but it's interesting that you keep a, a malt-forward beer on your draft list because that's I understand what you're saying like it fills a, a gap but a lot of people don't um, it uh, a, a heavily malt forward beer is just not a normal thing uh, to have in uh, in in a, a brewery lineup so that's that says something right away I think uh, I know also you're 
<laughs> you have a, a malt forward space to fill out because you're not jamming it full of hazy boys. Yeah, that's that's not. I mean, I'm not gonna say that's not my thing because like a, a while ago I was kind of against it, but then I kind of came around to it. Uh, we do them. I like the hazy IPA. Um, I like having a hobby beer on, but we generally are known for our more like Belgian focused stuff. So, I mean, it's we'll have an IPA on, but it it might be it might be hazy. It might be like a West Coast. It might be a pale ale. We just try to mix it up here and there. Um, and then yeah, just the Vienna. You know, we're in the, we're a neighborhood spot. Some people just want to come in and they have their two glasses of uh, of Vienna and they they go home. You know, it's uh, it's more of like a, a neighborhood thing than it is like a Jason hype trying to put out the newest haziest beer we can make right totally okay uh we're gonna continue on i've got things to get to this has been pretty loosey-goosey because the uh, the start was a little bit rocky and then so many people joined in um but i want to try i'm trying to keep up with uh, the chat here at least on the instagram we got a couple of questions first of all kevin what do you love what does your shirt say oh uh this shirt yeah it, it says i heart kw oh uh, it's a kw but it's a pride heart too yes yeah civilian uh screen printing here in KW put these out a little while ago and happy I to support the locals to be wearing my love is love pajama pants there you go man trying love to see if I love. can get it on the picture yeah absolutely so I'm also wearing I'm wearing a godspeed shirt tonight but that's just because it was on the top of the laundry pile uh so we've dealt with that Kevin loves KW even if he's from St. Jacob's you're not from is that where you you originate from no 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 I, I grew up in uh in Milton and then uh Hamilton and then moved out to uh, Kitchener for, my, well, my wife's work. And then I, I was working at Wellington at the time. So moving to Kitchener just made sense. We're going to get there. Don't you worry. Uh, by the way, weird, right? Milton and Hamilton. Ha. Milton and Milton. But they're nowhere really near each other. They're, you know, that's a half hour drive. Yeah, it's a good half hour, 45 minutes. Yeah. You'd think they would have just put them next to each other. <laughs> yeah, I, also, I, I commuted my first year of college, so I... I you know that drive well. Year. Yeah. <laughs> I also have a real problem that uh, Kansas and Arkansas aren't pronounced the same-ish. Why isn't it our Kansas? Yep. Anyway, uh, <laughs> next question. Clarify acidulated malt. Let me have a stab, and then I'll hand it over to the professional brewer. Acidulated malt is malt that in the uh, wet part of the malting process, so before it actually hits the floor or the kiln or whatever, um, I think it's either while it's malting, while the, the endosperm's developing, or it might even be before that. But I actually, I think it must be during. Um, they intentionally let it get funky, and it creates lactic acid. Um, and then what happens is the, the malt producer um, uh, maintains a, a fixed level of, of acid. And what you do is you then use that malt, not for any malt characteristic to speak of, but it adds lactic acid to your brew to bring your brewing pH down. So most places in the world, the water's too, it might still be acidic, but it's too much. It's too basic. It's not acidic enough. And you need to bring your brew pH down. And so one of the ways that you can do that, you can do it adding liquid acid. Um, there's a few other ways, I think, but the main way that people do it is with acidulated malt. Um, normally you're looking at, I think like up to about 2% of your malt bill uh, might be acidulated malt. Kevin, any thoughts, anything you want to add to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know that like we're we're not using it. Um, well, I mean, it's weird to say I'm not using it to add acidity because that's exactly what I'm doing, but I'm not looking for an acidic flavor. It's just our water here in KW is so alkaline 
that you're adding all these pale malts, uh, it doesn't bring the mash pH down enough to um, target the enzymes that we want. So we'll add a little um, acid malts. And then it just kind of makes, you know, your finished beer, if it's too high pH, just tastes a little, like, flabby, a little wide. Um, it's kind of hard to explain, but, like, once... You, you kind of want it to finish dry and a little bit acidic, and that makes it, like, a little bit crisp, a little bit more drinkable. So we just add a little bit of acid malt. You could do the same thing just by adding pure lactic acid, but uh, yeah. acid malt's what I am comfortable with. It's what I have been using for 10 years in my professional brewing career. So it's what I just keep using because it's what I know. I, I'll also point out, and thank you for mentioning, um, I was saying you want to bring your brewing pH down, but I never specified why. And of course, it's because in the mash, you're you're intentionally leveraging some enzymatic activity. And uh, it works better at certain pH levels. And so you're trying to get into that that window. I'll also point out, and I forgot to mention this, one of the reasons for the prevalence of, of acid malt is, of course, the Reinheitsgebot. You can't put liquid acid into a beer if you're adhering to the German, the Bavarian purity laws. Uh, what, what, hey, let's not get into that. I know there's a whole can of worms there. Um, but, uh, but that's why one of the reasons why acid malt exists is it allows you to adjust your pH without using an, an additive uh, under the Bavarian purity laws. You can't add an acid like that, but you can add a malt that has naturally been acidified. So that uh, that's where it comes up. Somebody I've lost it here, but it's in the, it's in the list somewhere said uh, lagers are nice. But have you ever tried a barley wine? Yeah, I've tried a barley wine. You ever try a barley wine, Kevin? I've, I've made a couple. I think uh, I think I saw who that was. I think that was my friend Steve-O. <laughs> <laughs> or it might have, oh man, Steve-O and, uh, and Outcast Brewing. Um, I was about to say, Outcast says they're fermenting an imperial stout with Escarpment Dark Abbey right now. Sounds yeah, tight. Yeah. Um, Outcast is a, is a small brewery uh, out in Calgary, and uh, they're making some pretty, pretty fun stuff. And we've been, we've been talking about doing a collab for a long time. And I mean, obviously, COVID put a stop to that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, you once, can't really do a travel collab anymore. <laughs> yeah, once the travel restrictions are lifted, I... I I want to go check it out, man, because their tap room looks super cool and they're making some cool beers. I'd like to say, point out, Steve-O says the barley wine is gross. You ever try <laughs> a wheat wine, Steve-O? Because they're nice, too. <laughs> um, are cool ships still cool? Yeah, of course they are. Uh, okay, hey, so, I mean, a bunch of people on the chat here seem to know who you are, but just in case, and this goes out in a variety of other ways. So, Kevin Freer, uh founder at block three is that is that accurate were you there at the get-go uh not quite all right so i'll go i'll go back let me take, take you back us there yeah 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 go back to playing bass guitar professionally yeah <laughs> yeah so i uh i i did i went to college for uh for music for jazz bass uh slap it a bass yeah. that movie came out when i was in college and that was a horrible sentence that came out every week pretty much <laughs> constantly um, <laughs> but yeah, no. So I, uh, I, I was a musician. I, I did the the gigging thing, the freelance thing, the session thing, um, and I was doing all right. But I was like, man, I need, I need a job. Basically, I'm doing okay, but I'm not thriving. So I need a job. And I was homebrewing. So I was like, man, maybe I'll, uh, I'll just work at a brewery. That you know, that sounds like a fun job if I'm gonna have a day job. And this was 2010, so you could just walk into a brewery and get a job. It wasn't like today. Yeah, literally. You could just go in and be like, um, I know how to push a broom. 
They're like, you're hired. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I literally did not know what a gasket was. I didn't know what a clamp was. I, I knew nothing. But um, this was at Magnata Brewery in Vaughan. And I think the uh, the head brewer there, Simon, I think he took uh, took a little bit of uh, mercy on me because he was also a musician. He was in a pretty famous band in the um, in England called Lindisfarne, if anyone huh. wants to go Google that. They're, they were pretty huge. Um, so, yeah, he gave me my first kind of gig and then... Uh, just fell in love with the industry. So worked there for a year and a half. Went to Wellington. Um, was at Wellington for four years. And then, you know, the uh, the founders of Block 3, they kept trying to get me on. They kept trying to get me, like, offering me jobs here and there. And then it just the timing was never right until finally it did actually work out. And then uh, basically just kind of waltzed into my head brewing gig. And I've been there for a little over five years now. It's pretty Actually, good. coming up on six years, I think. Oh, my God. I'm getting old. Yeah, no, that seems about right. That seems about right. Um, and so Block 3 in St. Jacobs, I mean, one of the more delightful towns in Ontario. Yeah, yeah. St. Jacobs is uh, is quaint. Definitely quaint. It is definitely quaint. Uh, <laughs> I, I was saying... Um, I was helping. Well, no, I wasn't helping at all. Uh, the, the kids were being tucked in, and I was causing a ruckus, basically. Um, and I said, "Okay, I gotta go. I gotta I gotta jump on this this podcast." Uh, and I was saying to my wife, "I said, oh, I'm 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 interviewing a friend, and so if it kind of runs, because sometimes this can. By the way, this can run a little late sometimes, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, it's a lot easier to keep it under 20 minutes when it's just me." But uh, when I have a friend, eh, all bets are off. Um, I said, you know, whatever. If, if it runs late, just go to bed. I don't care. And uh, my son was like, oh, who, who is it? I said, oh, a friend of mine, Kevin. And he said, oh, Uncle Kevin, because we have an Uncle Kevin in our life. And I said, no, 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 uh, not Uncle Kevin. I said, but you know what? You've, I don't think you've met him, but do you remember the brewery next to the model train exhibit oh, yeah. <laughs> that has crokinole boards? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, he works there. And he was like, oh, cool. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he approves. Um, <laughs> I know you have no control over the model train exhibition, but he does love the crokinole boards, so that's uh, that's something. Yeah, the crokinole boards, uh, I, I had literally not ever played crokinole until I started at the brewery. I, I'm still not entirely sure what the rules are. Yeah, um, me neither. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I don't think anyone does. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know, I don't know when you score. Like, I know that there's points and rings and there's a hole but i've never known if you're supposed to try and get into the hole because i feel like once you're in the hole how does it even get you out it's it's counter sunk in like i don't understand this game at all um but it's fun because you get to flick things normally it just turns into a game of like crash up derby exactly (laughs) i don't know kids love it it's great um cool so block three saint jacobs Uh, as already discussed you guys do a pretty decent uh a pretty decent selection uh by the way have a hello from uh brazil can't wait to try the canadian brews well hello friends from brazil that's a new one to me that's probably the furthest afield we've uh we've made it uh in this season um as discussed, I know you do do some IPAs and, and you had a notorious streak of being uh, anti-Hazy Boy for a while. Not necessarily in production, but just in concept. Uh, but you do do an array, but you do a lot of barreled stuff. And and, and here's the question, uh, and I still don't know if I ever pronounced it right. I know it's not pronounced Fodor, but that's how I always say it. You guys have some of those things, right? 
Yes. So we, we were pretty early on in uh, adopting the like oak age sour beer thing. Uh, so we did, I say fooder. Fooder, yeah. Maybe fodder works. It, you know, it's not an English word. So yeah, it's Dutch, right? Whatever works. Yeah. Um, George Eagleson told me it rhymes with hooter. Footer. That, that sounds exactly like something George would say. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So we, we got on that that pretty early. Um, we have probably over a hundred oak barrels. Um, we do have we have a cool ship too. So we do spontaneous beers, and those are starting to just come out now. Um, it yeah, it's it. We're kind of known for that, but it's such a it's a small part of our. <sighs> overall yearly production and it's a massive amount of work um so it's definitely a labor of love and it's not profitable absolutely not (laughs) i always (laughs) love it i'll see on people's on so sorry on breweries friends of mine breweries uh instagram or whatever and they'll be like oh we're dropping this new beer um we aged it in um french chardonnay barrels uh, it's, uh, it's, a, a Saison on Brett, uh, and, and it was aged in these, these French oak barrels. Uh, it's, uh, $8.95 for a 500 ml bottle for, and people go, why was it so expensive for? That's ridiculous. I won't pay that kind of money. And I, I, now I call people out. I'm like, do you realize that at eight ninety five per five hundred ml bottle, they're probably still not making money on that beer? Like, this is just this is like a marketing endeavor right now. But yeah, man, people piss and moan about that. It's like this stuff does not come easy. It sits in the brewery, taking up a ton of space for a prolonged period of time. Yeah, I definitely think there's something in Ontario with, like, the way the LCBO system works and everything where we just, like, if a beer, if a can of beer goes over four bucks, everyone loses their minds. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, But, like, you know, the LCBO does do some some amazing things where we get things like 750 mil bottles of, like, Rodenbach or whatever in for, like, nine bucks or something, you know? This is Um, my crazy one right now. I mean, I'm yeah. sitting here looking at my, like, cellar. I've got a bunch of Lambic that was probably bought for super cheap, way cheaper. See oh, this? DuPont. DuPont, nice. Two ninety five a bottle. That's and incredible. it's a 330 mil bottle. That's cheaper than craft beer in Ontario. I can't figure it out. I don't know how they're doing it. And then Jordan St. John told me, Mayus, their Saison, which is not, it's an homage. It's not a, a replica. It's even less. It's like 275 like the glory days of saison i might actually open your saison when i'm done this vienna yeah yeah and so um these like the sour beers and stuff you you like kind of have to price them uh competitively and i i think that's changing i think a lot of breweries now are i don't want to say like realizing what they're worth because they know what they're worth um but they're just like no this this beer took time and it took effort and this is how much it's going to cost um and if you don't like it that's fine yeah suck an egg (laughs) <laughs> i i often tell people i've said it on this podcast i've said it on social media for a small local craft brewery i would count block three that's in the small category we're talking left field we're talking godspeed i'm wearing the shirt Avling, guys like that indie you know even bellwoods they're they're getting bigger but they're not quite there yet uh you're looking at a dollar per hundred mil or about a cent per milliliter of beer that if the beer does not have any specialized ingredients or specialized preparation, 
I think that's a reasonable amount to expect to pay. So if you're buying a tall boy, that's 474 mil. If it's less than $4.70 per tall boy, that's a great deal. You're doing well. Bigger breweries, Amsterdam, Great Lakes, Bose, that kind of thing. We're looking more like 70 to 80 cents per hundred mil because the volume, you know, the volume scale, you can do things cheaper. Um, and so that's fine. But then, yeah, you see these outliers like like that says on DuPont or like uh, Canuck still. I think sure. Canuck's still only about 280 or 285 for a tall boy. That's down. That's close to 50 cents. It's, it's a bit more, but it's less than 60 cents uh, per hundred mil, which is just bonkers. Um, I almost feel bad sometimes buying it, but I'm, yeah, hey, it's their business, not mine. Um, OK, cool. Uh, sorry, I'm getting all discombobulated. I'm watching things going by, too, on the, uh, <laughs> on, the on the chat. Pissing and moaning would be a great name for a beer. And somebody mentioned uh, that uh, you were once known as the great Houdini. So that's <laughs> nice. Um, I'll, I'll do a quick shout out to because uh, you mentioned Canuck. Great Lakes uh, is one of my go to breweries. One of my go to. Oh, beers. yeah. I like you. They might. Whatever, they'll make a stout. I'm not a big stout guy. I'm probably not going to buy that. But you know that Canuck or that octopus is going to be fresh. It's going to be delicious. And it's going to be relatively inexpensive. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, exactly it. And, Even and, like things like the fine young cannonball chickens or whatever, which is like a bonkers 8%. And it's like, it's still, it's like 325 a can or something. You're like, what? How does yeah. that even work? <laughs> yeah, people, people complaining about prices in Ontario. It's like you go. Um, so I, I'm, we're very good friends with Two Crows Brewing in Halifax. Um, we, you know, we've done collabs, we've hung out, we've gone to each other's breweries. And so we were like, oh, well, let's try and get some beer into Halifax and, and see how that's going. And even with like the shipping and stuff, it was like comparable for us to sell beer there at the exact same price point as a local would. Right. Um, just cause like beer here is so much cheaper than most of the other provinces. Right. You can you can go to Halifax and buy Canuck cheaper than the stuff that's made literally across the street. Right. It's it's, yeah. it's, it's incredible. Like, I, I don't know. People are complaining. I, I feel like that's just a vocal minority. Like the vast majority of craft beer drinkers understand the value um, and the work that goes into it. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I'm just laughing. I just got a text. I noticed George Eagleson had just joined us on uh, Instagram, <laughs> and he literally just texted me to say, who's the beer Buddha? It's Kevin Freer, George, formerly no. of Wellington. No, no, on the, uh, on the chat, the beer Buddha is... Uh, oh, I is, thought he thought you... Yeah. I'm like, dude, you know Kevin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. That's, uh, that's, that's Steve Young from Guelph. Steve, what's up, buddy? There you um, go. So George Eagleson, Beer Buddha, Steve Young. By the way, Steve, sorry, we just doxed you. It happens. So Steve Y. Whoops. <laughs> or S Young, friend of the pod. <laughs> uh, he's, he's a good dude. He's a he's a very uh, passionate beer uh, beer consumer. Big big on the trade. Loves all the uh, trying all the stuff from all over the place. Um, usually comes into the brewery and we we chat beer and and trade stuff. He's a good dude. Uh, well, he happens to think that $3 for a Hollinger is outrageous. Well, I'll give him a couple free cans next time he's in. <laughs> Wait, that's what we, that's what you're drinking. That's not outrageous. You said his name was Steve? It, Steve, yeah, check your head, man. That's it's, cheap. It's three fifty at the LCBO. So. It's, again, $1 per 100 mil. It's tall boy. It should be four seventy five. 
you're getting a steal. On top of that, it's lagered. It's a Hellas. How long are you, you selling that? Four weeks? Uh, that is generally a five to six week from green to glass. That's a tank that isn't doing anything else. <laughs> that shit's expensive. Anyway, he's giving me some thumbs up, so I think we're okay. We're Steve's a good dude, man. <laughs> simpatico, simpatico. It's his go-to. It's all good. Uh, my go-to Hellas right now, uh, probably the one I reach for more often than anything, Muddy York. Yes. Yeah, I get that at the LCBO. I haven't. I I I feel terrible. I haven't been physically to Muddy York. It's probably the fourth or fifth closest brewery to me geographically, which I know maybe sounds a little bit strange, but like I live in Toronto. There are breweries like Starbucks's. Um, it's very close, but the problem is it's in East York and that's not a bike ride anymore for me, especially not on my fixie. If I had a geared bike, I could bike that, but not on a fixie. That's there's a really big hill that I have to get over. Uh, so, but I, I pick that up at the LC a lot. And then obviously I drink like an unreasonable amount of uh, Godspeed's lagers, other stuff too. But they started doing, they call it the check case. And it's like, it's a discounted case. It's I think 79 bucks and you get four of their check style beers and they're all like ridiculous. And I just, I'm like, why would I do anything else? The the other thing is I drink a lot of dab. I get dab at the, at the Loblaws. So Right. You live in the you live in the East End, right? Yeah, I'm in the beach right by the water. Very, very uh, hashtag blessed. Um, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Us West End people, we uh, we don't go east of Young Street too often. So I have actually never been to I've never been to Muddy York. I know Jeff. um, Of course. You know, um, actually, his his um, in-laws are locals in St. Jacob. So we, you know, trade beers and chat and whatever. Um, And I've never been to Godspeed and I really want to. Yeah, um, you know, Bim's kind of a legend in the industry, and it would be uh, very cool to check out the space when we're allowed to go into spaces again. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, 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 we'll see. But yeah, no, I um, <clears throat> there's actually two breweries now that are geographically closer to me than Godspeed. So that would be Beaches and Red Tape. And Red Tape, by the way, and Beaches is fine too. But holy moly, Red Tape! just blowing my mind right now um but yeah godspeed still mm, <laughs> i don't know they're just they're my they're, that's my spot i uh oh man i like godspeed i miss going into godspeed I, you've never been so um you can actually uh um uh, uh, uh lust after this but um it's an open kitchen it's it's not even an open kitchen it's like the kitchen is in the dining area basically but they have um a two-sided sort of chef's table area. There's like four or five seats along one side and then like three maybe on the, on the other side of it. And, uh, what's funny is I'd gone to Godspeed maybe once or twice, just quietly. I try not to be too much like, Oh, like, I don't know if you know, but I'm super popular within bloggers in the East end of Toronto. I'm probably the fourth or fifth most influential blogger between the Don Valley and Victoria Park. (laughs) Um, So I try not to do that, obviously. But I got in a couple of times. But then I remember I was I was coming back from a festival and it was in their first year of operation. And uh, 
you probably can relate to this having having kids. You have kids, right? Yeah, you have kids. We've yeah, talked yeah, about yeah. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's still kind of early and you kind of want to go home, but you also kind of can't because you can't kind of into the house when the kids are still awake. So you have to blow time. And typically I would go to Castro's and I would just sit and drink soda water or something like that and wait until 10 and then go home. But I thought this one time I thought, I'm going to go into Godspeed. I'm going to go into Godspeed. And, uh, went in and, and it was very busy. And the only seat available was at the chef's table. And so I sat down, but then I started talking to the guys who were working the line, never met any of them before in my life, but I, by training am a chef. Like that's what I did. That's, that's what I learned. And so we kind of started chatting and I was asking some questions and they, I was asking questions that I knew they would suss. And then they were like, Oh, are you a cook? And I was like, well, I used to be. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. so we kind of became friends. So my actual original in into Godspeed was through the cooks and specifically through, uh, Ryusuke, who's the, the head chef. We, we kind of hit it off. I had a motor, I have a motorcycle and he loves my motorcycle. He used to have a similar bike and we just, be, that's how I connected in. And it was like, I hung out with Bim through other people, but I'd never really met him. But like my original connection to Godspeed wasn't beer at all. It was the food. It was crazy. But anyway, that's a that's a, neither here nor there. <laughs> hey, I'm going to slug this guy down and I'm going to open your Saison. Why don't you tell the uh, the kids watching a little bit about the Saison and I'm going to uh, I'll be right here. Sure. Yeah. Uh, King Street. So like I said, I didn't start the brewery. I, I was brought on a little bit later, but my my good friend Brian started the brewery. And uh, when he said, hey, man, I, so we worked together at Wellington. And he's like, hey, I'm going to go start this brewery. Our, our, this is 2013. Yep. So he says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this brewery and I'm going to make our flagship a 4.5% alcohol Saison. And I was like, that is very dumb. Don't do that. Um, that's probably good advice if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's crazy. Right. And then we like, I even have the handwritten, um, brew sheet from the first brew day. We still have it. And it, it just took off. Like I, St. Jacob's for, for reference is, is a town of about 5,000 people. Um, but it's just outside of Waterloo, KW, Kitchener, Waterloo, um, and in Kitch or in Waterloo region, there's probably like seven hundred thousand people. Like it's a pretty big yeah. region, but this is like this little township just outside of it. It's also seasonally populated too, right? Because of the school schools. Pardon me. Yes, that too. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. are two, there are two universities and a and a college in in uh, Kitchener and Waterloo. Um, but yeah, so like I mean, it's just this little kind of retirement town outside of so like, man, you're doing this thing in this weird little town and I don't know what's going on. But the honestly, the locals really embraced it. They really embraced having their own local brewery. And then uh, like the King Street blew up and, and we were honestly considering retiring it um, at kind of at the beginning of COVID, like pre, pre us knowing what COVID was. But uh, it just, I don't know, people just want this like their beer. You know what I mean? They want yeah. this like, their, their beer and it is it is affordable it's 325 a can um is it really i know i just bought it but i wasn't paying attention yeah That's yeah it's, incredible I mean, it's, value. It, it's light it's easy drinking um it's got tons of flavor in it so it's it's complex enough that like beer geeks like you and i can yep 
sit here and discuss like the bitterness and blah 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 um but it's also just you know the anyone can just sit down and drink one and and talk to you know the other guys at the bar and whatever right it's fantastic yeah i mean it's interesting um just looking at it you know it's straw yellow quite clear um nice kind of yeasty spice to it um trying to grab malts here i'm assuming it's like a pilsner malt base and like there's something else in there but i couldn't tell you what you're probably using some stuff for body or whatever yeah it's uh is there any rye in there it uh close so it's 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 pills and then um wheat malt and spelt oh it's probably the spelt that i'm catching it's giving it a little bit of an earthy kind of thing yeah 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 a little like and then um we're using nugget and saws hops so nugget for bittering and then saws for finishing and uh that's really interesting i never think too much about the bittering hop on a saison i always just assume it's the same as the finishing hop um but that's cool that's interesting yeah, it just gives it this kind of like earthy, like I always find like bitterness can can make it a little more drinkable. Like you want to take another sip. Yeah, it's interesting, actually, just thinking and I was mentioning red tape earlier. Um, the the celebration saison um, that I didn't drink last week discussed in the app. Um, it has ginger added to it, but between I'm going to guess it's actually more the the saws and the yeast it touches on ginger. You know that soapy quality ginger gets? Mm. It's it's not quite there, but it's it's flirting with like gingery soapiness, which is quite nice. Um, I like it. It's it's rock solid. I'm I think this is the first one I've had. I don't think I think I bought two and I don't think I've oh no, I bought four. I have had one. <laughs> I sometimes at the weekend I don't pay too much attention. I just enjoy what goes down and then I enjoy the next thing. Or yeah, it's been it's been a good um, good seller for us since since day one, and yeah. yeah, I don't know. I again one of those beers that's it's always around, so I don't really drink it that often. I can kind of understand that. Here's an interesting question for you, and I'm I'm alluding to uh, another podcast. Of course, don't know if you've ever tuned into Ben Johnson's uh, podcast, yeah. but. Uh, <laughs> Have, wait, have you been on Ben Johnson's I podcast? I have been on Ben's podcast. Too. Okay, now I feel like a giant dick. I don't listen to every podcast of Ben's, unfortunately. It's sometimes I actually, it uh, right all of his music for this season, I wrote. Really? Yeah. I was wondering where he got that from. I was like, man, he's got some good songs that he obviously got royalty-free somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that's delightful. Uh, no, because I was off injured, my podcast consumption went way down, and now I'm trying to uh, catch back up on a bunch of things. But when he discussed, um, I think it was he was talking to Bim, and then he mentioned it when he was talking to Lackey and Ian about how Bim was just, he was asking him, like, oh, yeah, like, so what are you drinking right now? And Pim's answer is just like, I don't know, man, what people leave me at the brewery. Like, I drink a bit of my beer and I drink a lot of things that people leave at the brewery. He said it in a much more generous, polite way, but that was basically the message. So is that a thing that you also get to uh, enjoy? Do you get people uh, come by the brewery and be like, here, try some of this, try some of that. And you end up just being like, ah, what am I drinking tonight? Uh, oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, I know those guys. Cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a pretty fraternal industry, I'd say. Um, I'm still really good friends with my previous co-workers at Wellington, so we, 
I don't want to be like, we get a lot of free Wellington beer, but we get a lot of free Wellington beer. <laughs> hey, I haven't in a while, but I've got a good Welly hookup too. Yeah. And then, uh, speaking of motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, you know, um, friends have gone from that brewery to other places. So like my buddy Logger Dave works at Alora. So, you know, we, we trade up beers and, uh, just, just through the local scene, you know, you're, you're popping by, you're trading hops, you're doing whatever. So, I mean, there, there's always an influx of beers from other breweries. Um, sometimes I come in on a Monday and there's just stuff that was dropped off on the weekend because someone was in town and I, I'm like, oh, man, I didn't even know. Had you known or had you told me, I would have come up and, you know, maybe said hi or had a beer with you. Yeah. Yeah. We, we still have failed to connect at your brewery. I think I I've know. been three times. And every time what happens is I go, because it's always the Fergus rugby tournament. And I'm always like, oh, we're going to be in Fergus. We'll come over to St. Jacob's afterwards. And then I message you like Friday night. And of course, come on. Like, I know better. I have kids. I know how this works. Yeah. Can't rug up to the brewery at 2 p.m. on a Saturday to hang out and play some crokinole. I get it. I get it. Um, but yeah, no, it uh, that that seems to be a, a recurrent theme. And, and actually, to be fair, I've done that. I've done that internationally where I've brought beers to other places and then gone into small breweries and been like, Hey, what's up? I'm from, uh, Ontario. I brought you some beers just cause. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And like, Is it your beer? I'm like, no, no, no. These are just people I know. I just wanted to share the wealth a little bit. It's just, it's part of like how you do it. You know, you, you show up with beer, you offer it and everyone, everyone wins. I like it. Yeah. The, the international community, especially through, you know, Facebook and Instagram and things like that has, has been pretty incredible. Like I, uh, last year I went to Florida, uh, cause I was asked to come down like a, a guy I was just talking to on the internet. was like, Hey man, come down. Uh, Jason Toft, I should mention Gulfport brewery. If anyone's ever down in Florida, uh, where, was, where is that in Florida? The town might be called Gulfport, but it's oh. it, like St. Pete. Um, Okay, yeah, clear like water Tampa. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tampa, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so he's just like, hey, man, do you want to come down and help judge our, uh, like, Florida State beer competition? <laughs> You're like, really? We'll, uh, we'll yeah, We'll pay for course. your Airbnb. We'll pay for your <laughs> flight. I was like, yeah, 100%, I'm going to do this. Like, if this is incredible. If they ever need help, just give me a call. Yeah, and it's like, well, that <laughs> opens that door, too, and we'll bring some of them up. And by the way, one of the best, Florida best beer competition, one of the best run competitions I've ever judged. I've actually heard from a person I've never met in person that that is actually, yeah, one of the better beer comps in North America. Yeah, it, it was incredible. The the planning, you know, they had this, like, uh, off-flavor tasting the night before just to get everyone on the same page. And, like, um, it was just so well done. You, you weren't given... You know, you've done beer judging. I've done beer judging. You're not given like a flight of like 20 barley wines at nine in the morning or whatever. You know, it was just it was really well done. Um, and I met a bunch of cool people. And it was like, man, a lot. Honestly, a lot of the beers were really, really good. Um, yeah. So Florida's figuring it out. But just that that international community and just like meeting people, talking to people. You know, I sent some beer down in advance of that. Just being like, hey, I'm probably going to pop by your brewery. I'm going to mail this so I don't have to have a, so I don't have to check a bag. Don't have a weird conversation with customs. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah, just, just hanging out and, and chatting with people. And then the, the generosity of everyone too, they're like, Oh, here, take this, take this. And I'm like, I, I can't, I don't really want to check a bag on my way back. And I don't want to deal with customs, man. I can't, 
I can't take your like three cases of beer you just offered me. Yeah, know? exactly. Ugh. We, um, my wife's uh, godparents get a place down in Naples uh, most years, although obviously not last year. Actually, no, that's not true. They did have it and they bailed out before the border got shut. Oh, wow. um, yeah, I know. Epic. But uh, we'd gone down a, a handful of times and there's a couple of really cool breweries down in Naples. There's uh, um, there's Riptide and Riptide reminds me a lot of Five Paddles. It's got a very okay. similar kind of vibe. Super cool. And it was also the one closest to where we were staying. It was it was uh, about a four minute drive from where we were staying. So I'd pop in there a lot. And last time we went down, I, I brought them down just kind of a mix pack. I think I took them down six beers and there's like, yeah, there was a Canuck. And I think I had something from Bellwoods and just a couple. What I went for was like, oh, things that people who are like, oh, Ontario beer. Yeah, you'll be interested in this. Um, something from Godspeed and some stuff like that. Um, but then there's a really cool one called Bonehook Brewing. It's a little bit north. Uh, it's in the it's in North Naples, um, which is apparently a thing. But it actually reminded me a lot of Little Beasts. Very similar vibe to oh, that. Cool. And man, I would love to go back there and just hang out. Man, there's a really cool. I mean, I know that it's the U.S. and we all lust after U.S. beers a lot of the time. But man, Florida, for a place that you would kind of expect to be a little stodgy, especially Naples, like Naples is a retirement. Naples as a city is effectively a gated retirement facility. Hmm. Uh, but man, they got some cool breweries down in there. So, yeah. Um, I feel like I had a qu oh no it wasn't a question C Hall mentions that all the hazy IPAs they drink seem to be dropped off at the brewery by people they appreciate them not really their jam don't know who C Hall is but hey cool um, <laughs> hazy IPAs are my jam not in a crazy way I'm not like a haze only kind of guy but I mean I just drank that before I went to physio that's yeah. uh, where's the label there it is that's the hazy boys hazy boy I go, I go through phases. Some, yeah, sometimes I get a little burnt out on them. Um, yeah. But I, again, I'm not like a huge IPA guy in general, so. When I was a younger man, I could drink four or five bone shakers in a night. I can't do that anymore, man. I just, I hurt. Man, I hurt. I, I remember, you know, I know you have a, um, a history with, uh, with Amsterdam. And yes, uh, I, I, got, I got some friends there, too. But yeah. uh, I remember back in the day, back when Bathurst was still open. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, them putting in new tanks just to do bone shaker like it, that was the hotness i you don't know, know I, if it's still the case but i mean maybe two years ago amsterdam made more bone shaker than any other beer that's wow. including that blonde even that's blonde, including eh? yeah. three speed they made more bone shaker than any other beer um and so, yeah, it's it's bonkers. But I also remember and I'm trying to remember if you maybe even would have been there or been involved. I think it was a GTA Brews event, but it might have been something else. But they got a bunch of bloggers and myself included. Jordan St. John was there. Chris Grimley randomly. Oh, yeah. Chris, writing yeah, his yeah. Blog. yeah, yeah. He yeah. was there. And we did. A, we were brewing a beer. It was in maybe October or November. And we were brewing a Christmas beer. And I remember it was the first time I ever tasted finished wort before we pitched yeast. I'd never tasted that before. It was mind blowing. Um, 
not very attractive, by the way. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, but uh, <laughs> but that day we were brewing actually on Erica's uh, homebrew setup. Ian had brought wow. Erica's homebrew setup into Bathurst for us to do this beer. And uh, but at the same time, I think I got to check this with Ian, but I am pretty sure it was the first time they brewed Bone Shaker on the full size system, which at Bathurst was small, right? Like, I think it was a 20 heck or a 15 heck. Yeah, I, I, I want to say it was like 20 or 30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was the first time they brewed it on that brew house and Bartle was managing the brew. Oh, my. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, Ian. It says I need to add hops every five minutes. And Ian was like, yeah, you're not leaving the brew house for the next hour. And he was like, what are you talking about? He's like, it's going to be a kind of like 60 minute, but instead of constantly just every five minutes, throw a little bit more in. And and that was going down. And I remember Bartle was so pissed because he had to be in the brew house. And we we're sitting around <laughs> drinking beers. We ordered some pizza and stuff. Somebody took him a couple of slices out. We're like, here you go, buddy. But yeah, he had to just sit there and keep throwing like, I don't know, 10 ounces of hops a time into this kettle as he's doing the brew. Because it was like it was the first time they'd done it. And they just they were like, yeah, we're playing with how we're going to do it. I think it was the first production size brew of bone shaker man that's uh that that facility has uh has seen some shit oh, hey there's cat. a cat hi cat. cat what's your cat's name that's nova nova hello nova oh my god she has nails thanks for not sticking your <laughs> anus into the camera nova that would be the normal cat thing to do okay i think i had some questions here i've skimmed past them uh uh, uh chris are you 45 v 45 volt I don't know what 45V is. That's from your buddy Steve. Don't know what that means. Sorry, Steve. I'll figure Steve. that out later. Clarify if you want, buddy. I'm still listening. Uh, nope, that was it, actually. Somebody said something about multiplies. Oh, that's Steve again. I don't know. I'm trying to keep up with this. Um, okay, here's a question for you. I know that you're not super constrained by the corporate overlords at Block 3, which is a good thing. <laughs> by the way, is that still Hollinger you're drinking? Mm-mm. No, something different. No, sorry. I moved on to a uh, a cider from Revel. Oh, very. Oh, very good. I like Revel cider. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you got to mix it up, man. Totally, totally. I drink wine sometimes. I like it. What? Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you mean hybrid, right? No. Um, so I know you don't have a ton of constraints, but I also know that you have a brewing schedule you have to think to keep to or whatever. So not thinking like, you know, in six weeks or 12 weeks, you're going to be making this. But is there something you would love to attempt in brewing that you just at the moment can't do? Like, what's your what's your what's your uh, white whale of brewing? Ooh. Um, so there's a couple answers to this. I'm going to I'm going to go with the one. The first one is I have never made like a pastry stout. And you want to? I <laughs> I don't know if I want to. I'm just intrigued by the process Excuse right. me, yes. of doing like, um, you know, like a whatever eight hour boil and then topping up with malt extract and having this like 40 Play-Doh starting gravity and 20 Play-Doh finishing gravity. I, I am intrigued by that process. That's um, fair. I don't I, I will probably have, you know, my little four ounce sample when we're packaging it and then never, ever drink it because that's not the type of beer I like. No. 
Um, I'm, I'm yet to have a pastry stout that I thought I could really go for another. Yeah, but I'm in, I'm intrigued by it, and I think like, you know, I've had some from from very high, um, you know, lauded breweries that are like talked about and traded and whatever. Um, and I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. That does taste exactly like this cake or whatever, whatever they're going for. Um, so I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just like, I'm not an adjunct guy, so I don't, I don't really know how to use a lot of those like crazy flavorings and that's a challenge and that's kind of what intrigues me about it. Um, and then I guess the other one is just like, I'm, I'm very intrigued by the blending process of, uh, Lambic. Sure. And I mean, we do have, we do have a cool ship. I do have three years of sour beers. And because that's kind of looming on me right now, like that is where a lot of my energy is focusing on. So I'm trying to, trying to really just like hone in on what I want out of that process. And do I want it to taste like Cantillon? Do I, like it's never going to taste like Cantillon, but uh, you know, how do I want, where do I want this project's direction to go? And that's, that's a big part two. Hmm. Have you ever spent any time with uh, uh, wine blenders? I have. Yeah, I know. For a blending day. Yeah. 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 I know. I know some some winemakers and man, anyone who's like into beer, go drink some beer with winemakers. Totally. They use some words where you're just like, pardon me. Like it's it's so different. The language that they have um, and what they like. And they you know, the, the joke is. Um, it takes a lot of beer to make wine, you know, cause <laughs> you, you bring yeah. a, you bring a case of Hellas or a case of lager to a winery, then they'll, they'll hook you up and they'll show you all the dirty little secrets. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, they, it's, it's a totally different language, you know, something that we would call like an off flavor. They're just like, Oh no, that's just terroir. <laughs> yeah. Terroir or, or volatile acidity or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but on the flip, they hate Brett. So that's a weird one. They hate. I'm surprised they let me even in their breweries. I know because you know? you're covered in the stuff. <laughs> I use bread all the time, but <laughs> it's just awesome. it's it's just a different process. And honestly, like a lot of the fruited sour stuff we do, is more similar to winemaking than it is to making beer. You know, totally. Now I've got a couple of the sours in my fridge. They're kettle sours, are they? Uh, were they fickle mistress? Fickle mistress, yeah. Yeah. So those are kettle sours. Uh, we try to put one out per month um, with a different fruit. Yeah. Just so happens we ran up on like three different fruits this month. So. And then do you also have oak that's infected with whatever? Lacto yeah. or PDO yeah, or whatever? Yeah. 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 Anything that comes out of our, uh, it'll be in a bottle. Right. Because I don't want to contaminate our canning line, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, oak, the oak age stuff um, that would all have like live lacto, live bread, um, PDO, whatever. Whatever, whatever's in our fooder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, the thing that's in there. Hey, I got a question here from. Uh, I'm gonna go with Kyla. Kayla, not sure. Uh, would you brew with some local KLB hops if they were pelletized? AKA, should somebody be ponying up some money to build a pelletizing facility in Ontario? Which, by the way, Garrett Oliver told me nine years ago somebody needed to do. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah, local hops, I mean, even just like I'm going to say Ontario hops are like they're good, man. There, there's some amazing, amazing hops coming out. Um, totally. Be, because they can't grow the like mosaics, the citras, 
um, whatever the you yeah, know, tra yeah. trademark the hops are or whatever. Ones, yeah. The, yeah. Because they can't grow those, they can focus on doing the Cascade and the Centennial and harvesting them at the correct time. So yeah. they are the most uh, expressive that they could be. So like we'll get stuff from uh, Hey Ho Hobbs. They're friends mm -hmm. of ours. We buy hops from them. Um, and and they're just, just super like bright and, and juicy and very citrusy and very like orange peel. They're Cascade. Uh, they're Centennial. Yeah. So, I find Ontario Cascade isn't even so much peely. It's juicy. It's like orange yeah, juicy. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, the yeah. Centennial too, yeah. It's, it's um, like tangerine almost. Yeah, yeah sweet almost. Uh, yeah, we used, we used Hey Ho's Centennial in All Together, I believe. The, the All Together, the collab that went on at the beginning of COVID to benefit the, uh, per, the service industry workers. Um, yeah, and I, thought, I, I just thought it made a huge difference because they can focus on that specific thing instead of trying to make sure that their like Citra and Mosaic contracts are fulfilled. That's right. Um, so just as a quick aside, because just in case anybody's listening and doesn't understand this, um, there are a bunch of hops that are, are trademarked, copyrighted. I'm not sure. They're protected anyway. You have, to, you have to pay a licensing fee to grow them, basically. So it isn't just that you have to buy the, the rhizomes or however you're going to propagate them. You also have to pay a fee to the original uh, producer to, to grow it. And Citra's one, um, Simcoe? No, not Simcoe. What did you say? Citra Mosaic. Um, there, there's a handful of them anyway. Um, and for a lot of small producers, it's just not worth the licensing fee for what you're going to get for the, for the, the, the hop. Yeah. Proprietary. Exactly. Thank you, Kyla. Um, and so that, that is a real, not, not a problem, but it's a real consideration for a, a smaller hop farm uh, to, to deal with. So you said you, you've bought from Hayho. I'm trying to remember, um, what is it? Uh, VQH hops? Is that VQH, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Tavistock. Tavistock, yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you. We, we've done a, a bit. The hop industry in Ontario is still not huge, so, you know, you can't rely on them entirely. But uh, right. Any of our cool ship stuff that we do is all 100% Ontario hops. Uh, do you use Barnowl malts? Yeah, Barnowl malts, 100% Ontario ingredients. Nice. Um, so Barnowl malts and then uh, generally hey-ho hops. Now, is to go back to the original question, is pelletizing a concern there? Would it, would it make life easier or are you happy to work with whole hop? Uh, so we can't, our, the way our brew house is set up, we can't do whole hops. Okay. It just like it would be a nightmare trying to get them out of the kettle at the end of the boil. Mm -hmm. The whirlpool would be awful. Yeah. Um, I guess I could put them in a bag, but then I'm still constrained by the size of like the the main way to get into the kettle. Yeah. Also, you'd need a big bag. That's a big bag. Yeah. That's a big bag. So, Kyle, I think the answer <laughs> to your question is uh, uh, a, a, a a probationary yes. Pelletized would help. Yeah. There are there are like um, mobile kind of pelletizing the same way like the wine industry has like mobile bottlers or the beer industry has mobile canning yeah there, there are like there are you, right you just bring your hops down then they'll they'll pelletize them for you i remember having this this is a little bit of a <clears throat> this one time when i was having drinks with garen oliver it wasn't as glamorous <laughs> as that sounds but i was having some drinks with garen oliver and we were talking about this exactly about hops and at that point he was like there are two main hop processing um 
areas. There's obviously the Pacific Northwest, and there's a couple of pelletizers out there. And there was, I think, two at that point in uh, in New York, in upstate New York. And he said, but the problem is any Canadian producer, and at that point, there I don't think there was any, or there was no one who was doing production levels of, 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 of cropping. Um, he said, the problem is they'll never be able to get pelletized because... The, the cost to move an agricultural product across the border, have it processed, and then bring it back. He said there's just, it's a non-starter. He's like, it's, it's out of the question. He's like, somebody yeah. needs to build a hop processing facility in likely Ontario. He was like, maybe Quebec, but probably Ontario. And he was like, until that happens, it just, he's like, the, the whole industry is going to be sort of handicapped. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. At the time I went... Tell me more, Garrett Oliver. Yeah, you're like, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Tell me more about your chocolate stout. <laughs> and can I wear your hat? <laughs> um, okay, hey, let's change gears a little bit. By the way, if you need to bail, let me know. It's been a while. It's been yes. a minute. We're, we're, we're on a solid hour here, but I'm, I'm rolling right now. Um, can I talk to you a little bit about, because I've never actually asked you this. What is your primary... When you pick up a guitar, what are you picking up? What's what's the one? What's the one that you go after? What's your I'm assuming it's a bass. What's what's your what's your baby? What's your baby? Guitar? Are we, are, like we're talking we're talking gear, right? Yeah, yeah, gear. I'm talking gear here. I'm going to get to your amp in a minute, but we'll start yeah, yeah. with the <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm a Fender guy. Um, even just coming up first bass I had was a, a Squire and then a, then a Fender P bass and a Fender Jazz bass. I do have a couple non-Fender basses. Um, I actually have my guitar right beside, well, a guitar right beside me. Uh, it's a Fender Jazzmaster. Okay. Yeah, I like yeah, it. We've talked about your Jazzmaster, I think, because I got a real boner for P90s. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. Look at that thing right there. Bam. <sighs> oh, man. Cream and tortoiseshell. I like it. Turn the... Can you hear that? Oh my gosh, you've even got it turned on. Was that amp on standby just waiting? No, no, no. It's uh it's it's plugged into the mixer. Cause I can you know, oh, I got kids, so I gotta course. practice quietly. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, 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 of course. Right? Get those jazz chords going. You know, anyways. Yeah. This is uh, <laughs> this isn't my main, but you'll appreciate. I don't wanna sell this one. If anyone wants to buy it, help yourself. This was a Squire, I think, Affinity or Bullet Telly. Oh, yeah. But I pulled it apart. Obviously, I mean, the, the most visually interesting thing is that I put a red pickguard on it, which is not what you normally put on an Amber Telly. But it's got, uh, I can't, it's not, I don't have an amp in here. And my mixer's powered down right now. Um, but it is, it's got Rainville um, pickups. They were hound wound in Toronto. So that's their classic Tele pickup set. And then I've got a five-way selector. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we can do the three standard Tellys plus the two as a humbucker in parallel plus the two out of phase like Brian May. Um, I'm actually really fond of this guitar. Every day that nobody buys it, I'm not that unhappy. Yeah, there's like, there's like three, <laughs> three guitar, guitar nerds, nerds watching this that are like, like, wow. Exactly. That was the dumbest, most useless. I also accidentally unplugged my headphones there. Um, and then, and then, what's your uh, what's your rig? What's your amp setup? What do you what are you rocking? 
so because I am primarily a bass player, yes, um, I do not have a a standard guitar rig, but my bass rig is uh, I have a Mark bass head. Uh, it puts out a disgusting 800 watts. Wow, which, which is and louder than you ever need anything to ever be. Like I don't, I can't even picture what cab you'd power off of that. <laughs> um, so then I, I, I have it going into a uh, right now a TC Electronics two by twelve. So it's only putting four hundred mm-hmm. watts through that. Mm-hmm. Still insanely loud. Uh, I don't think I've ever turned it up past three. Um, just nice, clean. It's got a little compressor on it. Um, little huh. kind of EQ that rounds it out. They call it like a vintage EQ. I can't remember their exact term for it, but. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's just a nice nice rig, and the best thing I can move it from my car to the gig, one trip, boom. That's not bad. My primary guitar amp is a uh, a, a crate, actually, still given its age, uh, handcrafted in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, but it's the the Club Fifty, which is basically a Vox uh, AC30 clone. So same two by twelve, but it's. Um, I think it's a 50 watt head on it, um, whereas the Vox is a 30. Um, but it's the same tube configuration. It's just got a different uh, wiring pattern to, to just juice it a bit more. But my complaint with it is it's so fucking heavy, man. Right. That thing weighs almost as much as I do. <laughs> and it's just a guitar amp. Like, yeah, like my, uh, my years at being like a gigging musician, it was like, you know, bass, bass obviously needs to be like bigger and heavier and, and louder. You know, you need more watts to move that that frequency. Yeah. yeah. But uh, for any gig, like you're gonna be mic'd or you're gonna be right into the soundboard. So exactly. Like, yeah. You'll run a DI. The, yeah. the the amp's just your monitor, really. <laughs> exactly. And I, I I've run my amps as a monitor for plenty of times. You know, I I was doing weddings, like 300, 400 person weddings, with like a 40 watt Roland cube. You know. Yeah. Because everything else was just monitored. I've been doing a lot of guitar repair work and my my shop amp would more likely be the one I would take. Like if I wanted to go to a buddy's house and not take an acoustic, I mainly play acoustic, but if I wanted to take an electric, I've got an orange crush. I think it's a 20. It's just a it's a little I think it's a 12 inch speaker, but it's a tiny little amp. And uh, it, like it, it's like a lunchbox. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But it sounds pretty good. Whereas my crate same as you i don't think i've ever turned it up louder than about four or five and at that point i literally texted my upstairs neighbors to be like i'm really sorry but i need to play some loud music right now sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's i i I definitely think especially now with the the proliferation of how easy it is to record at home um i mean look at us we're both talking on professional microphones and things like that exactly just like you don't you don't need these crushing like wall of sound amplifiers anymore yeah. Because everything's mic'd, everything's done digitally. Like, it's I, I, and I was never a gear guy. Like, I was never a huge gear guy. Is like, as long as it sounded good, I don't care how loud it is. As long as it just sounds good and it's getting the, you know, the emotional response from the music and the what you're playing. You know. So. I remember talking to a, a studio engineer a while back. This is I don't know, ten years, twelve years ago, and I was asking him about exactly that. Um, he was making some reference. He was he was chasing some old boss pedal. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's cool. I think it was like, I think it was the 70s. What was it? Their, their chorus is like the CE3 or something like that. He's like, yeah, I really want to get one of those. 
I was like, but why? Like, it's a 70s vintage solid state pedal that's probably powered off of either a dirty power supply or a nine volt. Like, well, why? And he's like, because it just it sounds right. Right. And I was like, yeah, but yeah. like in a recording, like you can't use that in a studio. Right. And he's like, of course I can. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He's like, it sounds the way I wanted to sound. It's like it sounds the way it's supposed to. Yeah. So like I, <laughs> I do a lot of um, a lot of like, you know, hip hop beats and like sampling and and things like that. Hey, right? I sent you a sample. Did you? OK. Do you remember the bong hit sample? Oh, yes. <laughs> I do remember that. And I remember what <laughs> what uh, what project that was. So context. It was for a friend or something. I can't remember. Context. That. One of our employees, uh, he found out his name is not John McClare, but because of a spelling mistake on his birth certificate, he is John M.C. Clare. That's pretty awesome. And so I was like, well, clearly we're making a hip hop album if you're M.C. Clare. You almost need to get Chalk Claire out of retirement. And oh, wait, is he dead? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, let's leave that one. I'd say I don't know, but this is live. We can't do that. Anyway, um, go on. <laughs> so I was like, we, we got to do this. And I was like, I'm going to make like a, a like a West Coast, like a G funk kind of hip hop beat for you. And I need like just like a tight bong rip right at the beginning, you know, like like a Snoop Dogg bong rip <laughs> yeah, right yeah, at the yeah, beginning. Yeah. And uh, that was yeah. fun. I don't, I don't even remember if I finished that beat or not. I well, the other thing that occurred to me is I wouldn't necessarily know if you would have used mine because it probably wasn't super tight. And I've spent a lot of time doing things like getting the Zippo click and getting like a really good bubble drag. And like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Also, for the viewers at home, it was like 10 in the morning. It was just an empty bong. But I mean, there was water in it, but that was that was all. Hey, look what I'm about to do. Because we were talking about her earlier. Pickle. This is the uh, tangerine and honey. Yes. It has both of those in there. It does. Yeah. Some some local honey uh, from a, from a what do you call them? Eight? Apiary. Bee Apiary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A beekeeper. You could say a beekeeper. Beekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that honey uh, post fermentation. This is a uh, no during, rocket potential. No, no, no. During <laughs> the boil, it was not like a. I'm not gonna send you something that's gonna explode. Well, that's comforting because yeah, we, there's been re there's been recalls. <laughs> we ferment all of our fruits and all of our sugars. Yeah. <laughs> and is the tangerine whole fruit? Is it not extracts a bad word, but extract is it's a, it's a puree. Exactly what I was getting at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a yeah. Yeah, it's a processed, but still the original fruit. Um, so kettle sour. Uh, Dry hopped. What do we hop with? I and mean, you know what? Let me let me see. Let me see if I can do this. Putting myself on the spot here. I mean, I smell a lot of tangerine for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Don't smell so much honey. Definitely a lot of tangerine. Yeah, honey's a weird one because it it ferments out, right? So it it's Perfectly. hard to translate that. Hmm. It's hard, man. There's a lot of tangerine juice in this. There is a ton of tangerine in that, yeah. I think I could maybe not pick what hop is in it, but I bet I could tell you a lot of hops that aren't in it. <laughs> Go for it, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm all ears. It's not piney. It's still tons of citrusy juiciness. Yeah. So I'm going to guess it's not something like Simcoe or something like that. Mm -mm. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I put when I used to brew homebrew, I would put citra. I used to say citra is like salt. You just need to add a little citra to everything just to <laughs> elevate it a little, but not yeah. too much. Otherwise, then it becomes a citra beer and anybody can do that. Um, because we're so jacked on the fruits, is there Eldorado in there? There's not. Um, so that that beer. Thanks for the way for jumping in because I was going to spend a lot of time being like, <laughs> yeah, what yeah, about yeah. this hop? What about this? <laughs> this is a hop that has some tangerine qualities. Strata? In it. Is there strata? No. Exactly. Uh, um, fickle, the base, base for fickle, super easy. Base malt, a little bit of wheat, um, citra and mosaic. Okay. Um, citra and mosaic is not something that's ever going to offend anyone. That's nope. A, that's a dope <laughs> combo. Yeah. And then uh, depending on what fruit we're doing, um, and if I have the foresight of what fruit we're doing, we will kind of adjust the dry hop or the, the whirlpool hops as needed. And do you remember off the top of your head, was there something unique in this or was this still just citra mosaic at the end? That one's definitely just citra mosaic. Like they're all yeah. citra and mosaic. It's just like we probably would have dry hopped that one less um, because we were getting like the citrusy fruit. Yeah, the tangerine is so prevalent. I could believe there's mosaic in there. Mosaic, uh, the way I always, whenever I successfully pick mosaic, it's more of the berry notes that I get out of it, mm. um, which I'm not getting any of. Like, I'm like, this is citrus. It's tangerine. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we probably dry hop that very little and just like hit it super hard with with uh, puree. Like, I, I'd have to go look. I don't remember the dosing rate on the puree, but yeah. It's fantastic in that... Um, I, I'll confess, I enjoy sour beers. I love, there are some sour beers that are some of my top ever beers I've ever drank. But the prevalence now, especially of kettle souring, um, the accessibility of it means that often I get, somebody offers me a kettle sour beer that I'm like, okay, like I can objectively think about this and talk about what's going on. Um, but did I like it? No, not really. Not not my jam. But this guy, the the sour qualities of the beer are running in tandem with the tartness of the the, the puree, and that's great. Um, the worst thing for me, I I hate it when I have a kettle sour when I'm aware of how acidic it's become. When you've got a real acetic quality to the beer, I know some people love that. And hey, I'm not going to yuck your yum. But for me, I'm just like, that's getting into like challenging. That's when it's like you have to work to enjoy it. And I'm like, I just want to enjoy it. And like this one, I'm sure there's some acetic qualities, but they're not dominating the fruit characteristic. So I think it's great. I like this a lot. Thank you. Yeah. As you say, the, the problem with honey it's perfectly fermentable. It just right. goes. It's the same with maple syrup. People are like, oh, I put a kilo of maple syrup in this beer. And I'm like, hmm, that was, that was a lot of money you just spent on something that will just dry the beer out. You could have done it with candy sugar. <laughs> yeah, so we, uh, there, there's the Elmira Maple Syrup Festival, which is like the most towny thing I can ever describe. But, uh, so there'll be like, you know, 40, 50,000 people in, in Elmira, Ontario, which is just north of St. Jacob's yep. in, in the one day just to do maple syrup stuff. I never really got it. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not from this region. So I will um, say I love maple syrup. 
Yeah, it's it's insane. And we will make a batch of our sugar bush brown ale with maple syrup. And people are like, oh, my God, I can really taste the maple taste syrup the maple in this. Syrup. And You're like, like, no, you can't. <laughs> like, whatever. Maybe they can. That's great. Um, we sell 20 barrels in a weekend, so I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's great <laughs> as long as you enjoy it. You know, people, eat, they drink with their eyes. They drink with their ears. If you tell them there's maple syrup in it. And you're being honest. Like, yeah, of course there's maple syrup in there. Yeah, yeah, there's actually even like a maple syrup exchange in Elmira where you can like just you, you can buy a drum, like a 200 liter drum of yeah, maple, of maple syrup. syrup. It's incredible. Which, by the way, I can't do the math off the top of my head, but we're talking about thousands of liters of maple sap that went into that barrel. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like a, a 30 to one reduction. Like yeah. I know tons of people who have like sugar shacks now. now because i live in this region now i know tons of people that do that but 30 to 1 i remember having um oh what beer was it it was sammy made it up at, at sawdust it was a maple syrup beer anyway and i remember drinking it and i went like i think i was with sam when i drank it i went what the hell man like did you put maple syrup in this post-fermentation he's like no of course not he's like it would explode and I was like, right. I'm like, how did you get so much maple syrup flavor in here? He's like, we use a maple syrup extract. He's like, it's like a, it's it's maple syrup, but it's it's a chemical distillation of the flavors of maple syrup. Yeah, sure. He's like, it's not maple syrup. It's the things that make maple syrup taste like maple syrup. And we put that in the beer. And I was like, yeah, it tastes a lot like maple syrup. And he's like, yeah, that shit ain't cheap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and it doesn't translate well, so. You have to be looking for a beer that tastes heavily of maple syrup for that to work. Uh, but no, this is I like this a lot. This is great. This is uh, I don't know if you if you uh, perused my order, but I didn't go heavily on the fickle mistress just based on my own predilection away from the sours. But I could drink that a lot. This is really nice. Yeah, I like like we've kind of drawn back from the like super sour. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, maybe that's part, just part of my own, like, getting old and getting heartburn and stuff. But like, Yeah, totally. I know, but totally, right? Yeah. I don't want to wake up and be like, oh, I drank too many of those sours last night. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, and I think it just makes it, like, a little more approachable. You want it to be acidic, but not sour, you know? Totally, totally. It's funny, actually, in, in much the same way that a lot of people treat hops, it's really, I say easy. I know, functionally, it's not easy, but... It's pretty easy to just make a pretty sour beer, but it's a lot harder to find like a workable balance within that. And that's 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 pretty solid. Um, OK, I want to let you go because it's getting late, but I got one more question for you. Yeah, man. I did mention it. Uh, so you should be primed for this one. But I did notice you posted a picture of what looked like an offset barbecue smoker, but it had an auger. Does your oh. offset smoker have an <laughs> auger built into it? This is, by the way, for anyone listening, this is a barbecue question. I'm a bit of a barbecue aficionado, despite not eating meat. Um, I have an offset smoker, but my offset smoker does not have an auger. But yours looks like it has an auger. Yeah, I was going to say, you're uh, you're a vegan, right? Like, you don't... I'm a part-time vegan. I'm a okay. vegan okay. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The other days, I'm a pescatarian, so I eat seafood. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I uh, I woke up this morning and I was like, so we, we, we're we going to have this chili cook-off at work. 
I love a chili cook-off, by the way. I've it's helped a, people in chili cook-offs. Yeah. Slow time of year, so I feel like I got to win. Um, so I have a I have a pellet smoker. Oh, so the augers to drive the pellets. Exactly. Yes. So but I will. It's an offset smoker. It's not like a Bradley cabinet. It's like an offset, right? No, no, no. It's it, it's pretty much exactly like a Bradley cabinet. It's just what you were looking at was the hopper. Oh, so it doesn't have a barrel like you have a cabinet next to that that thing. Yeah, yeah. So there's a hopper and then there's like your standard grill grate or whatever with a little firebox in the bottom. I feel like I need more pictures, but we don't need to do this right yeah, now. Yeah. But so you were you were smoking some meat up? Yeah. So I woke up this morning and I was like, I'm going to do this pork shoulder. I'm going to get up early, which, of course, I slept in. Um, I can't tell you how often that's happened to me. And then, uh, thankfully, because it would have been dark out when I was doing this, there was a bit of a smoke coming through the hopper, which is no bueno. You know, I thought that um, the it's hopper... It's going lit- the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that lit on fire, so I basically ripped the whole thing apart, cleaned it out. Uh, in doing so, <laughs> broke some wires. So I had to, uh, had to rewire some stuff. And... You know, I'm going to bring it back to beer. Thankfully, us owning a canning line made me a little more confident about rewiring all this stuff because I was like, hey, you know, what? this is a whatever, a thousand dollar smoker. It's not my fifty thousand dollar canning line. That's right. And I've torn that apart before. <laughs> hundreds of times. So, yeah, yeah. So know, anyways, the uh, the ribs turned out pretty good tonight and the uh, <laughs> the pulled pork will hopefully make me win the chili cook off challenge on Thursday. So I have a few questions. OK, first one. Side or back ribs? Uh, I like back personally. I did side today. I disagree with you in general, but I agree with you today. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, and then in your chili, you've used some some. You said pork shoulder. You're yeah. Doing I'm, some I'm, pork I'm doing like a pulled pork. Yeah. So you've got uh, pork shoulder in the chili. Any other meat components? This, by the way, is going to sound really weird coming from a guy who does <laughs> not actually eat mammalian meat ever. Well, almost never. Uh, but you got pork shoulder in your chili? Yeah, there's going to be pork shoulder and there's going to be some ground beef. And uh, I, I'm a big fan of beans in a chili, so black beans and, and uh, kidney beans. Can we talk more about the ground beef? Is it just ground beef, like grocery store ground beef, or did you, like, get a ground? Well, I'm going to go to, a like, a local yeah. butcher, but, like, yeah. I'm not, like, specifying my exact ground. I oh, like a medium. On. I like a medium. Well, you definitely don't want lean. In no, a chili. I want like a 70-30 probably. Yeah, you need some fat up in that. Yeah, and yeah. that's exactly, that's that's a medium. It is 30% fat content. <laughs> lean is 20 and extra lean is 10 and anything beyond that. Hey, anything beyond medium, I think, why are you bothering? You're not no. eating this for your health. Like, the, the, f- the fat's there for flavor. Yeah, and you need fat. Your body needs fat to operate. Yeah, I, do, I call them there. tasty points. Yeah, exactly. Uh for myself when i've recommended <laughs> i don't th- i don't like chunks in a chili if somebody were to offer me a bowl of chili and there was like stewing cubes of beef in it i would feel very betrayed yeah lots of people are into that not my thing not my thing um for the record i do occasionally consume meat it's not my preference it's not the thing i love but i am Again, I'm a classically trained French chef, and I can objectively uh, do this this sort of thing. Um, but for me, this is what I like. Are you ready for this? I like a two one one mix, and the two one one 
is two parts of chuck and one part each of brisket and flank steak. And you oh. grind that. Oh, my. Yeah, that's what you need. And if you do that, you will end up with just under your 30%. So it's not quite full medium ground. It's like around the 27, obviously, depending on the cow you can't control. But uh, it's not quite full medium. But what you get and the key here is the key here is the flank, believe it or not. OK, you get a ton of flavor out of the brisket and you get a ton of fat out of the chuck. But then it's the flank the flank gives it like a bit of oomph. It gives it, it's, it's, if you take the flank out of it and believe me, I've tried, you lose, if you're eating a chili con carne, and I just want to be clear, I do speak enough Spanish to know that what that means is chilies with meat. Okay. There's a meaty quality. There's a, a, a red meat mammalian quality. And I can't I cannot begin to to explain it, but it's in the flank. You need a bit of that flank steak to just <clears throat> hit it home. And so the the chuck, very important. It's got a lot of fat. It's got a lot of protein brisket gives it a lot of like beefy flavor. But there's something about the flank. You got to. You need those. You need those three, I think. Um, alternatively, you're putting pork in there, which I almost feel like is cheating. It's like when people put bacon in hamburgers and I'm like, well, of course, that's going to taste amazing. You put bacon in the thing like everybody loves that. You might as well just put crack in it. Yeah. Pigs are the animals that keep giving. Right. I actually I don't. One of the reasons for not eating meat is not the sustainability factor. I find meat wildly unsustainable in general. Um, but if a sustainability factor is a reason why you might entertain altering your meat consumption, I will tell you this. Pork is one of the most sustainable uh, meat products you can eat. You'll hear it and people will talk about this. You can eat the whole pig short of its digestive system. Take out the digestive system, you can eat everything else. It is one of the most sustainable uh, meat products out there. So you just have to do it. That's the flip. You can't just eat pork chops and pat yourself on the back and be like, oh, I'm doing okay. I had pulled pork the other night. I had pork chops. This night. No, 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 no. You got to eat some awful. You got to eat the hoof. But uh, pork is wildly sustainable. It's great. I, I could go off on a, a wild... Uh, Pig chase? Yeah, pig chase about, uh, you know, we're in we're in farm country or country out here. You could buy a market hog for probably one hundred and fifty bucks. I 100 percent have done that and had a local butcher butcher it, it for you. Yeah, You know, chop it up, do the hoofs, do the shanks, do the whatever, make the rest in the sausage. Yep. Um, but and then you, you know, end up with like a thousand dollars worth of meat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I realize not everyone has that. Uh, availability like we, yeah. we've literally said hey can you we'll, we'll give you a bunch of spent grain <laughs> what you we'll said is some hey money. can you kill me a pig <laughs> yeah you know and you know you like literally know the farmer you know the pig it's kind of yeah. weird to say you know the pig's name but I don't know it, it was Steve <laughs> morally I'm not really <laughs> against that but, uh, but I'm anyways. morally against naming the pigs that you're going to slaughter but that's a whole nother story <laughs> That's uh yeah, that's a that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's not this one. I'll tell you that for free. Okay, uh, I think we should run. It's been like a solid hour and a half. You got kids, I got kids. We got to do this. Uh this fickle mistress is 
I mean, clearly in the the picture here, that is opaque as it's juicy. This is a breakfast beer. People always balk <laughs> when I say that, but man, yeah, have this with your brunch. Why not? Pour it in throw, a wine glass. Throw a little champagne in there. A little beer mosa. Yeah, throw a little uh, orange bitters. Wake it up. Man, nothing. This needs waking up. I'm gonna say that because you make it. I don't think it needs waking up. But bitters, come on. You can't. You can't trade that. Uh, that kind of uh, herbal exposure. But uh, this is fantastic. Speaking of fantastic, Kevin, this has been fantastic. I swear to God, I'm. I'm making myself stop right now. <laughs> I could. I could stay here all night. But uh, we both have things to do in the morning, so uh, we should let it go. And also, people don't want to listen to a seven-hour podcast. That doesn't happen. Uh, so thank you. Thank you to Block 3 for donating your time to me. Uh, that was uh, very gracious. Uh, big fan, obviously, of the brewery. Uh, I just wish it was closer. Although there's something nice about uh, about it being... It's a it's a it's a trip. I have to go. And uh, I do like that. Quick question. MVP Brewing Fickle Mistress. It is from. Oh, you said thought. So you've already figured out block three. Yes, it's from block three. Uh, pick it up at the brewery. What's it, what, Give me some uh, throw. Throw some quick uh, 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 love to the brewery right now. What's available at the brewery? Do you have wider distribution? You got something at the LCBO I've seen. I'm, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um uh, King Street Saison and Hollinger Hellas are at the LCBO. They're probably not at every LCBO, but... Can I pause you for a second? Yeah. Go to your LCBO right now, kids, and ask for it. That is literally how the beers arrive at your that's LCBO. How, that's how it works. Each store decides. And yep. I know that sounds weird. It's a government monopoly, but literally the manager of the store can bring in a beer. So yep. ask them for it. And, uh, and and you will get it to your local anywhere in the province. Yep. Anywhere. And we, we ship province-wide. Uh, you know, Fickle is a year-round, especially the fruited variants. So you can order those off our website, which is block3brewing.ca. Uh, and so province-wide shipping is like Canpar or somebody like that. Yes. If you're in KW region, like uh, Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, we will deliver it for free. Um, yes. And, and Toronto occasionally. Occasionally, yeah, we're we're so that's the new thing, man. Mm. That's uh, everyone's everyone's starting to group together and get these um these kind of breweries supporting breweries shipping things. So uh, keep it. I saw you you partnered with um with uh, Stormstead. Stormstead, yeah, yeah, Yeah. love Stormstead. I have a friend who works there, and uh, what a cool brewery, eh? Yep, we're so we're working on some stuff to do some stuff east of the city. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a whole new frontier, guys. This, this COVID thing isn't going away, so we're figuring out how to get the beer to the people. Yeah. So people can go on the website, order beers, local, free delivery, province-wide through a courier service, whoever it is. There's probably a fee, 10, 15, 20 bucks, something like that, right? Sure. It just means order more beer. If you order four <laughs> beers and there's a $10 delivery fee, that's outrageous. If you order 40 beers and there's a $10 delivery fee, that's very manageable. It's 20 cents a can. Yeah, it's all going in the same box. So <laughs> It's going in your same box. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool, cool. And obviously, brewery, I, I can tell you this, right in the heart of St. Jacob's, right next to a very cool model train uh, setup. 
ditch your kids in the model trains, go next door, tell them how to get where you're going to be, and then just wait and see how long it takes for them to get there. Uh, because it is obviously, again, outside of COVID, a super cool brewery to visit. And a, yeah, a really beautiful little town. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, it's been fun. Buddy. Looking forward to seeing everyone again. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine when we get back to hanging out in breweries? Gosh, that'd be something. Um, but yeah, thank you. I appreciate your time. I, I yeah. Hey, I oh, yeah. like you a lot. You know. Sorry, sorry. I gotta. I big up because Rob uh, just said and the Village Beer Garden. <laughs> in the summer, we do have a beer garden. And didn't you guys dome it for winter? Were you one of the doming ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did have domes, and then uh, then the uh, the town was like that counts as indoor dining, so that kiboshed that a little bit. But uh, yeah, we do have oh, we have a beautiful hundred seat outdoor patio um, at our village beer garden. Amazing Mexican food. Now I gotta I gotta be honest with you. I haven't been to Block Three in about two years. It was probably twenty eight. We did not own the space at that point, probably. So where is it? So it's about 100, 200 meters away, I'd say. Like oh, a, it's not like in the parking lot. It's a different... Yeah, it's like a like a two-minute walk. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, if uh, if you're ever in town... Because we, we don't have a kitchen, so this was like our way to have people come in and eat food and, and drink beer and hang out in the, in the village for a while. So, yep. Yeah. Sweet. And you are open during the winter, but not right now because, of course, COVID. So so when COVID is when we've all gotten jabbed in the arm and we beat the stupid thing. Yes. uh, Open your round. Beautiful. Really nice coffee shop in the mill across the road from you guys. Eco Cafe. I got to tell you, uh, when I was last at the brewery, uh, it was a long day. It was a sunny day. I'd been coaching a lot of rugby. It was a, I was tired and we went to the brewery. I had some nice beers. Kids were having a good time. And I, I, you weren't there because again, I did not give you a fair warning, but I said to one of the people, I believe it was a gentleman at the bar we were, I was paying my tab and I said, uh, Hey, I need a coffee. And he said, Oh, there's a Tim Hortons, blah, blah. I said, Hey, no, 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 no. I said, uh, what I need is I need a coffee where I feel like I've been taken advantage of once I've bought it. And he said, oh, it's right across the road. <laughs> it's called the Eco Cafe Order. I said, fantastic. And I walked in and they had like uh, three varietals and one of them was from Nicaragua. And, and they seemed really big on like knowing the farm. I said, hey, um, uh, this Nicaraguan uh, coffee... Um, do you know where it's from in Nicaragua? And the 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 person at the cash like held up a card. Um, uh, 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 Hinoteca. I said, yeah, yeah, Hinoteca, yeah, yeah. Do you know which family? I said I was just in Hinoteca about eight months ago working on a coffee farm, and then we were like the best of friends. Man, I got to tell you that Americano, it was beautiful. <laughs> anyway, I will let you go, <laughs> Kevin Freer, ladies and gentlemen. I think this is the longest guest spot I've ever had, and we could have gone on. So uh, thank you for joining me. Real fun, pleasure. Chris. Yeah, thank you Real for having pleasure. me. Oh, buddy. Literally, I'd say any time, but let's be honest. It could get boring for everybody but us. Um, but uh, but I really enjoyed that. Let me do this. I am going to... By the way, uh, back next week, uh, um, I'm doing a bit of quick math here. Next week, I don't know what's happening. Nothing. Nothing's happening. I'm going to drink some beer. It'll be fun. We'll have a time. 
we'll enjoy it. Uh, so join me then. We've got a uh, uh, in two or three weeks, a little unclear yet. I uh, haven't fully nailed down the details. A uh, little Great Lakes thing happening because they got a big anniversary coming down. Going to be talking to some marketing guys. Never want to talk to Lackey. Lackey's a good dude, but I'm going to talk to some other people. It's going to be nice. So uh, we'll do that. Join me back here seven days. I'll talk at you then. Uh, Kevin, don't go anywhere. I'm just going to shut all this crap down. Do you want to say any last words? No, just, it was great, man. Thanks, buddy. I had a ball. I had an absolute ball. So I'm going to hit end there, and I'm going to, what am I? Nope, 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 nope. Not that one. Um, Really screwing this up. I'm going to stop the live stream.